Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Leads, leads, and more leads. It is the key to every business. It is the key to what we need. And especially right now, as we're recording this in COVID land 2020, how do you get leads? How can you do things that are different? Or how, how more importantly, can you have a system in place to continue to get leads when we don't go outside and we can't necessarily talk to people like we have? We are going to discuss that and more on today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I am your host, Adam Kipnis. Appreciate you all listening and special thanks to C-Suite Radio for being our platform to spread the word around the world. As I said, leads are critically important. Our guest today is the founder of Leadsology as well as several other businesses over his career. He's done a lot. He has a system. He's got several books. A lot we can learn on how to put leads on autopilot, although that sounds a little corny, it really is true. How can you get leads every week coming to you if you do it right? Tom Poland, thanks for joining from Australia today. I appreciate it. G'day, Adam. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, and we want to get to leads because everyone's going to, because we're probably going to title this thing something about leads. So people are going to want to get there. But I want to know how did you get from there to here, right? What, what, when you started your first business at 24, what led up to that? Was that a dream that was just 24 years in the making? Or was that something that you found in a, a need in the community and you just had to fill it? Uh, well, my, my very first business was purely and simply about making money. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a heck of a lot in terms of ulterior motives. I mean, I was selling life insurance and I did set up a small brokerage firm, you know, hired staff. Um, so I guess it was a real business, but a friend of mine had, had got into selling life insurance and he'd done really well. And I personally owned life insurance and this is well before I started a family. I was a great believer in it. So it wasn't like I was just logging stuff for the money, but it was, it was a happy marriage between passion, profit and purpose. If you can have a marriage of three things, uh, you know, it was, it was something I was passionate about personally. I thought I could make a, a decent ton of money out of it. And, you know, we were going to start a family and buy houses. So that was quite important. And um, yeah, I felt it was something that was, was helping people. And when you deliver your first claims check, because, you know, the wife died and the husband had these kids to bring up and I just, that felt pretty good. Um, so yeah, that, that's why I started it primarily for the money. I have to say, to be honest, but there was a bit of passion and a bit of purpose mixed in with that as well. Fantastic. And, and when you did that, as it, did you start out as this is going to be a business or did you start out knock, knocking on doors and selling life insurance? Like Pretty much the, 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 the first one I started out, I, you know, I had a very good trainer and a very good manager and I really just did what I was told. And he told me that if you, if you don't finish a week, if you make sure you have this rule, you, you, I said, give me one thing that can guarantee my success. He said, well, there isn't one thing, but if there was one thing, you know, that question, give me the one thing. Um, he said, if you, if you commit to never finishing a week until you have 12 fresh new appointments set up for the following week, you'll be successful. So that's what I did. And, and, and I, and I still, to this day, I still like the idea of one thing. What's the one thing that I need to have done at the end of every week in order to guarantee my success. If there was any guarantee or any hope of guarantee, what is that one thing? Because I have, uh, 
frontal lobe damage in my brain through a series of concussions. And I can't focus on complexity, but I can focus on one thing. And so I became very, very good at even an early age of finishing every week with this one goal. I want to finish each week. I will have achieved this one goal, a tangible thing. In that case, it was having 12 meetings set up. Uh, these days, it's about joint venture partners, but it's still the one thing, the one goal every single week, the one goal that I want to have achieved before I finish the, every single week. I love that because honestly, one of the things I've always talked about with my clients when they were you know, I want to make a hundred grand or I want to do this or I want to triple my business or all the things that, that we all say as entrepreneurs we want to do, it all mm -hmm. starts with one, right? One lead, one client, one meeting. It all starts with one. So that one thing makes a lot of sense. Did when, when you went from, so you went from the, the life insurance business and you've had many other businesses. What were some of the drivers leading you away from that one thing, which was life insurance why didn't you carry that on? What drove you to other ventures? Look, I developed a real passion for personal development. And the first book I wrote, which is, you know, it's a big book, 103,000 words, was, was called Your Extraordinary Life. So it was all around life purpose. And so I wanted to, you know, I, I felt a part of my calling in life, not wanting to get religious about it because it's not, it's more spiritual than religious, was helping people to live more fulfilling lives. I actually care a lot more about fulfillment than happiness. And I know a lot of people are kind of chasing happiness and get more money so I can be happy and get love so I can be happy, et cetera. But, you know, someone said to me once, well, what about your kids? Don't you want them to be happy? And I said, of course I want them to be happy. Every parent wants them to be happy. But more than that, I want them to be fulfilled. And, and the difference is that happiness we can get internally. You can go and sit and meditate in a cave for 40 years and be happy. But not a lot of those people get impacted by that. Whereas fulfillment only comes when you make the world a slightly better place and whatever your part of the world is. So fulfillment and helping people to live a more fulfilling life, that became a real passion. So the, one of the next businesses I started was a thing called the Entrepreneur Success Program, where we got a lot of clients together. It was the forerunner of what we now call mastermind groups. At one stage, had four mastermind groups running simultaneously that came in for a day every 90 days. The largest group had 140 members in it. So, wow. you know, it wasn't small. But every day I would deliver training, business development training in the morning, personal development training in the afternoon. And I love that because again, it was this marriage between passion, something that I found effortless and ease. And if you forget discipline, if you've got passion, you don't need discipline, right? Uh, it doesn't feel like it's discipline. So I had this, this outlet for my creative urges, if you like, for this need for fulfillment and helping other people to get fulfilling businesses and fulfilling personal lives. So we covered every subject from it was a curriculum-based project. We everything from marketing to meditation. Hell, we have people interpreting their dreams by the end of the three years. And if you'd done, you know, if you told them at the start, by the end of the three years, you'll be tapping into your intuitive ability, in addition to your lead generation ability. They probably would never have signed up. But we <laughs> we established that trust early on. That the, so we 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 started with basic life planning, life goals, things like weight loss, things like better relationships. Uh, in business, we started with basically things like business models, competitive advantage, and we built trust because they'd come in, they'd try the stuff, it'll work, they'd come back, they'd try some more, it'll work. So by the time we got into the third year, they were open to pretty much everything, anything that I was teaching. So that, again, though, a marriage between passion and profit and purpose. And, and were those people that came in, were those people that already knew you or were those in general cold people that, that you brought into your world? Yeah, I mean, we all, we're all born naked, right? People say to me, oh, it's okay for you. You've got a big email list, which, which I do. But I was born without an email list. 
you know, I was born naked like everyone else. So these people, I didn't know them from a bar of soap. Well, that's not quite true. We had a guinea pig group of, of six people that I ran for a year while I developed the concept. And, and so, yeah, the first pilot group of six people, I had done business with them before. So there was a high level of trust there. But after that, we had to figure out how to do the marketing. And this is pre-internet, by the way. Well, to be fair, the internet was there, but it wasn't used for marketing. You know, we had CC Mail. I don't know if you remember that, Adam, but... I do. I do. The Forerunner to Outlook, et cetera. Um, uh, you know, we didn't... We did... Was no, there were no Apple Macs. There were... You know, we had eight-track audio cassettes. <laughs> so we did fax marketing. There was no SMS marketing. There was no email marketing. When we first started, there was fax marketing. There was direct mail. Um, so we'd, we'd get people into seminars and workshops, and I'd strap my stuff for a couple of hours. We'd hand out feedback forms. We'd give, deliver a lot of value. I mean, life-changing concepts and methods and techniques. We'd deliver a lot of value. And a feedback form, tick the box if you'd like to meet to talk about our programs. And... 40% of the people in the room would tick the box. 67% of the people who said they were going to turn up would show up almost to within a percentage every time, almost, clearly close. 40% of the people who showed up would tick the box. We'd meet with 33% of them and we'd convert 40% of that. And next month, we'd send out another 10,000 invitations with tickets to the seminar. <laughs> and, and, and clearly you, you learned, you learned your numbers, you learned what worked and, and you were able to replicate that over and over and over again. Was that something that was, was that you, I mean, were you in numbers and a statistics and a, I, I learned that from life insurance. I learned that from life okay. insurance. And, and I had a, I had a terrific manager, Dudley Houghton, who did most of my training as well. One-on-one. And he taught me the numbers and he made me every single week. He said, you got to fill out this, this sheet of paper. How many did you call? How many did you talk to? Because you don't get to talk to everyone you call. You know, how many meetings did you book? How many turned up to the meeting? Blah, blah, blah. So average sale, everything. And so, so I learned right from the start that you've got to measure every step of the marketing path. And even when I was then selling, and these days I say that selling is what you have to do when your marketing sucks. But, <laughs> you know, and, and, but even when I was in selling, I always had this fascination for marketing. Wow, how cool would it be if people just book time to speak with me instead of me having to call them and, and, and twist their arms sort of thing and, and tell them how, what a great idea it was. What if I could create an offer that people were already looking for? So they were booking time to talk with me, hoping to be able to work with me. That I thought would be pretty darn sexy. <laughs> so that's what got me into marketing. Interesting. And we could do a whole show on sales versus marketing. Cause I'm a believer that sales and marketing are the same thing. If, marketing is done properly but that's a quick aside so you you figured out the marketing thing you you, you began to, you understood it but somewhere in there you you built a company with a hundred employees and doing 20 million in revenue so you went from learning some things doing some seminars and then you had a a business that you had to run and it couldn't be you uh, without going through the whole story because people will learn that when they get to know you but a little bit maybe are there a couple of ups and downs or transitions that you had to do in yourself or in the business to go from a small shop where you were doing seminars yeah. yourself to 20 million in revenue and a hundred people whose livelihood depended on your, your direction. Right. So, so I, I one, one of the things that I, that I talk about sometimes, which I think is, you know, starting at the tip of the icebergs to answer your question is, you know, people say, well, you know, to, to, to build a business, to, you must be really smart. You know, you must have like graduated 
you know, top of your class, or whatever. And I, I, I failed the second to last year of high school twice, not the last year. Didn't even get to the last year. I failed the second to last year twice. I wasn't particularly smart at school. And I, I say to people, look, the little known secret to success is that you don't have to be smart to be successful. You only have to be just smart enough to know how dumb you are. <laughs> and if I could give anyone one tip, it would be that one thing. You only have to be smart enough to know how dumb you are. Because if, you, if you're smart enough to know how dumb you are, you can learn from someone else who knows more than you do. So I, I was really fortunate. I, I, and I say I was fortunate. It wasn't, it wasn't just my decision. I was introduced to, just like I'd had great sales trainer, I got into great management training. I went overseas and spent a week or two overseas learning with other, manager, other new managers. One of the best things I did is I brought every single course on management that Brian Tracy sold. <laughs> and I would sit down with the cassettes and I would take notes and my wife would say, hey, it's dinner time. I said, I'm going to finish this module. And I, and I just distilled the essence of all his wisdom. He had some great training, Brian Tracy on management. And he taught me about hiring. He taught me about performance appraisal. He taught me about when to, when to fire someone, which he said was the first moment you think about firing someone is the right time to fire them. <laughs> some real hard ass disciplines like that. Um, so I would say, you know, the number one tip is just, just admit that you, you weren't born with this knowledge and go find someone who can teach it to you, whether it's a book or a seminar or a workshop or a mentor, a business coach, whatever. And in that process, I'm sure there were things that didn't go exactly as planned. Is there something you can highlight that hindsight? But is there something that you can that you can highlight that in hindsight, if I hadn't done that wrong, yeah, yeah, my my trajectory, my little hockey stick of a business when it really begins to take off would have come, come so much earlier. Yeah, I'll give you a specific example, um, just just to, to to bring it to life, I suppose. But then maybe we'll go to the principle. So, I became a really good friend with um, you know, through my wife. All my connections are through my wife. I'm a bit of a self isolation and COVID nineteen is no problem for me because I do it anyway. Um, <laughs> but I became a really good friend with this guy, and we had Christmas holidays with each other's families and so on and all the rest of it. And I had a vacancy, and I hired him. And I ignored the profiling tests that said there were going to be issues. And I ignored some of his quirky behaviors. He was a very good friend. Uh, he'd run, won a sales award. I hired him. But the green lights weren't all, the ducks weren't all in a row, you know, but I ignored my intuition and I overrode the tests. And I thought, no, he's got, he's got the results this time. But the worst, one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my entire life was hiring that guy, complete disaster from day one. And it was like, it was like everyone else could see it, but I, I, I really couldn't see it clearly. I had some few little warning bells, but so I had to unhire him. And when I dehired him, when I fired him, which I put off and put off and put off, <clears throat> his wife had just become pregnant for the third time. They just bought a house with a big mortgage and I had to fire this guy. That was one of the toughest moments of my whole life. Turns out I cared more about his position than he did. He was already been looking for another job because he could see the writing was on the wall. <laughs> right. <laughs> he really didn't wow. care half as much as I did. So I was caring far more about his situation than he did. Um, so if we go back to the principle though, I developed a system for hiring. 
for screening people, for interviewing people, for testing people, for validating references, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I tested the system and it was robust. And for this particular guy, I was blinded by personal friendship and I ignored all the warning signs. So, you know, there's the old saying, uh, hire in haste, repent at leisure. <laughs> and that, that was it. So I would say, build the systems, whatever you call them, the algorithms, the checklists, et cetera, test them, prove them. Once you've got it, then follow the system and, 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 and forget your personal preferences. Just stick to the system because it's going to be right nine times out of 10 and you don't want to bet against those odds. It's interesting that you say that to trust the system. I had a very good friend of mine was uh, doing real estate, taking a lot of classes, learning real estate, investing and, and all that, which was all the rage here in Phoenix in, in the, the financial downturn. And when he went to a class and he had became very successful and everyone went up to him and said, what's the secret? What's the secret? And he's like, I don't know. I'm stupid. I just did what they told me to do. Yes, that's right. right? Um, and, <laughs> So it, it's interesting that we as human beings, whether it's emotional or whether it's passion or whether it's pigheadedness, we all have systems. We have policies, procedures in our businesses, and we always find shortcuts around the thing that we know that works. Well, we, we try to second guess them, don't we? Yeah, we, the shortcuts. Yeah, the hacks. If I hear one more person tell me there's a lead generation hack, I think I will <laughs> scream. And we are going to dig into that. Uh, we're today we're, we're with Tom Boland on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast, and now we're going to get to client acquisition, leads, uh, prospecting, business development. Oh, there's tons of different words for it. And <laughs> you mentioned the hacks that everyone's got a hack for getting leads. And if you and we see it on LinkedIn every day. I mean, probably as we're interviewing or we're having this interview we probably each just got an email on LinkedIn of someone saying they've got a way that they can get us more leads on LinkedIn than the other person, right? Yeah. They come in every day, but yeah. leads has become your current business, right? You needed yeah. to build the systems. You needed to do it successfully and prove it in yeah. um, what six different businesses that, that I know of, but there yeah. are probably some other things involved. No, it's pretty much just them. Yeah. That was enough. All right. Thanks. And so, um, so, so you've proven it over the course of time. What led you to, to have this business be about leads? And then we'll jump into right. not the hacks that you've done, but the system that people can follow okay. to get leads. Yeah. Okay. So, so the reason I'm doing lead gen now is that I had a very, very successful business, which I described before where, where marketing was, you know, looking back, it was exceptionally good. I mean, when you're in the middle of it, you just think it's just what happened, what everyone was doing, but it was, it worked pretty well. And then people started saying, how do you get so many clients in every month, every single month? There's the groups are bigger and there's more groups. And, you know, it's like, you've got this machine happening here. And so I, I did a little bit of, um, you know, read a few books. I wouldn't, it certainly wasn't research, but it was a little study and, and looked at surveys and did some surveys myself. Turns out that lead generation or client acquisition, whatever you want to call it, is the number one, consistently the number one need as stated by business owners pretty much for all time. How do I get new clients on board? And, you know, I'm just probably smart enough to know that if that's the number one need, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, decade, decade, for business owners, then that's probably going to be a relatively easy way to help people and make some money. 
So I had, I had the background, I had the skills, I had the experience to show people how to do lead gen. So instead of doing lead gen for my own business, I did lead gen for my business, which was now to show people how to do lead gen. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so the, the opportunity presented itself, A, because there was a need in the market that wasn't being well served in my space, certainly. And secondly, I had the expertise. So it was this nice intersection between what I could do and what people wanted. And so that's, that's how Leadsology started. And Leadsology, you know, psychology is the scientific study of how the mind works. Uh, biology, the scientific study of living, living species. Leadsology is the study of lead generation. And all of your, all of your past businesses, there, there's been a, a, a passion, a purpose, and profit as, you know, the three Ps in it. Um, what was mm. the passion... Um, of helping people get more leads was that something that that was always in you that yeah, you, you saw it, the need and you're like oh my god I must do this I, 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 I yeah so and, and this um, what I'm going to tell you is not I hope it's not an ego stroke it's just the way I tick it's not because I'm Mother Teresa or because I'm Superman or anything it's just the way I wake up in the morning the way I think I want to be accountable that's number one I want my clients to get real results and I want to meet with them time and time again to make sure they're getting those results. Because if they implement what I told them to implement, I want the freaking thing to work. Because I don't sleep well at night if that's not happening. Yep. And you can't get more accountable than lead gen. Did you get a new client in or did you not get a new client in? Yes or no? It's not, are my brand colors working? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not, oh, look at my cool website. And, you know, one of my clients that came on had paid 150 grand to a marketing consultant and he ended up with a new website. How many new clients? Exactly none. Okay. I don't want the karma that goes with that. I want right. the karma that goes with helping people get real results. So there's, and, it, and it, part of my DNA is the adventurer. So I've raced super bikes. I've climbed mountains that have killed more people than Mount, Cook, uh, Mount Everest. Um, you know, I, 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 I need to have that edge to life. It's just in me. It's not because I want it. It's just there. So when it comes to business, I want the same edge. I want the same level of accountability. I want to be able to eyeball people and say, how did it go? That thing I told you to do, did it work? If not, let's look at it, you know? So I want to kind of hang my ass out there and people can kick it if it deserves to be kicked. So with lead gen, that's what you get. You, it's black. It's white. You did it. You didn't do it. You got the clients. You don't got the clients. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's what I want in life. And that's what I want in business. So that's, that's part of my DNA. And that's what I want my clients to, to, uh, to experience is, is that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to back myself. And, and, you know, to that extent, we say to people, when people come into our program, I say, don't pay me any money. For God's sake, do not pay me money. We're going to work together. Don't trust me. I don't want you to have to trust me because you trusted those other people and you lost money either because they were fraudster or their stuff was just ineffective. So don't pay me anything. Work with me for 30 days. I'll give you all the intellectual property. I'll meet with you every single week personally, me, not a licensee or a franchisee or someone else. And, and we will work to it and we will implement it together. And if with any time within that 30 days, you think I'm not the real oil or you think this is not going to work for your product or your service or your country or whatever, just cancel. No problem. We'll don't pay a cent and figure it out. So that's, that's the edge that I want. That's the transparency I want because that's, that's how I sleep well at night. It's you go into it, your eyes open. That's the deal. Don't pay any money. I'll prove myself. That's, that's what more people in my humble opinion need to be doing is, is putting their butt on the line. And instead of saying to prospective clients, trust me, give me your money. 
let's switch it around. Let's say, you don't have to trust me. Don't give me money. I'll prove to you that it's the real oil. I mean, wouldn't the world be a better place if every business was operating on the premise that I will prove to you before you pay me any money that I'm the real oil? Yeah. And well, it's interesting. And one of the reasons, because I'm on your email list, uh, because I, I like your stuff. And um, one of the things I do, I my free consultation, um, right? And I hate free consultations because all it is is a sales pitch and everybody knows <laughs> it. But my free consultation is I will show you exactly the steps to get ten dollars to $50,000 in the next 90 days in your business. I will walk you through it. I'll give it away for free. We give it away for free. I give it away for free. We do the same thing in different ways. Like I'm not a leads guy. I'm a dollars, right? I, I'll fi fix your messaging because you probably have lead losing right now. You close, right? You could have all the leads in the world, but you can't close. That's my world. Your world obviously is leads and driving more business for people. Yep. So very complimentary, but also if everyone listening, if you don't check out Tom, he just offered you 30 days of free leads. And if you don't get them, you don't have to pay him anything. And he's very successful and it works. Uh, so you should check him out. Go to leadsology.guru. Uh, there may be some other sites. He's got multiple books. I've got the inbound marketing book here on my desk. Um, but let's get to a little bit of nuts and bolts. Because you give away things for free and because you do a lot of podcasts, your information's out there. You're not holding it secret until someone writes you a check for five grand. No. What, what, what do, before we get to what you do right, what do you see people doing wrong whether it's mental or aside from wasting time on their websites. <laughs> well, what I, what I see people doing wrong is, is mistaking a contact detail for a lead. That's one big mistake. So people say, look, I can give you 10,000 leads. So what does that look like? Well, we've got a list of 10,000 business owners with their email addresses and their names and everything. That's not 10,000 leads. That's 10,000 contact details. So when, you, when you're marketing services or advice or programs or software, not something physical, when you're marketing intellectual property and you're charging, say, an average of thousands of dollars or more for it, people are wanna, gonna, gonna wanna get to know you and trust you and before they start handing over that sort of, those sort of dollars. You know, it's, it's not a Gall Galloway uh, golf set that's a commodity item that's half price where we trust the brand and it's half price, so we buy it. If you, so when you're marketing services of intellectual property, it's far more like you're proposing marriage than it is you're selling a washing machine. So I, you know, I, I, my, my wife, when I first saw her, I fell in love. It was literally love at first sight. I mean, I can tell you, it was like a spiritual experience. She was standing in the room of 80 people. The whole of the rest of the room went opaque. It was just a head and shoulders, like literally a circle around a head and shoulders that was clear. It's the only thing I could see in the whole room. Everything else went opaque. It was a spiritual experience. I could have gone up to her and said, hey, you don't know me, but my name's Tom. How about we get married? <laughs> right? That's not going to work so well. And, and we laugh at that, but that's what a lot of marketers are doing. They're yep. going to people on LinkedIn or they're going to business networking meetings or they're going to conferences and say, hey, if you want you know, SEO services, maybe we should talk, handing a business card over. Okay, that's like me going up to my now wife at the very first time I saw her and saying, why don't, why don't we talk about getting married? You know, I dated her. I was, you know, smart enough to know we probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> and, and, and we had a date, you know, and, and, and I said to her, you know, at the break, it was a conference. I said to her at the break, I introduced myself and uh, had a coffee with her and I got talking. And, and before we finished the workshop, I said, um, 
you know, I'd really like to see you after this all finishes. And she looked at me and she said, oh, do you like, you know, like walking in nature? I said, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> so we had our first date, went for a walk in the forest. And so, 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 so we got to get people to the first date. And I use webinars for that. And in COVID-19, there's never been uh, any other point in history where if people wanted to meet with you, they had to do it online. Never. First time in history. Uh, we have presidents of countries that fly around to other, used to fly around to other nations to sign, you know, commercial agreements or whatever. They do it all through Zoom now, with digital stylus pens on tablets. Um, so I've, I've used webinars for a long time. And uh, webinars are kind of like a honeypot. You know, if you imagine a, a forest of 100 sleeping bears, let's say there's 100 grizzly bears and Magically, somehow we know that three of them are hungry and they want to eat honey, but they're all asleep. We don't know which three. We, we could go running through the forest with a sharp stick and poke a bear in the ass with a, with a sharp stick and wake it up. And then we could wave our little honeypot. You know, the bear's a metaphor for potential clients. The honeypot's a metaphor for our services. We wave a little honeypot in front of their nose. And if the bear's hunger exceeds its anger, it'll eat the honey and not us. Otherwise, we better run very fast, right? So we could do that. That's called cold calling. That's called going to business networking meetings and putting your business card in people's hands and start hoping they'll want to work with you. That, that's, that's disturbing people who we don't know if they're a prospect or not. You could do that or we could just take the honeypot and put it outside the forest and the three bears that were hungry would wake up and go, I can smell honey. And they'd come out of the forest. That's the webinar. The honeypot is the webinar. People are interested in lead gen, come to my webinars. We've got uh, just over a thousand people registered for our our monthly webinar tomorrow. And every single one of those people I know has an interest in lead gen because the title of the webinar is live lead gen demo. That's the honeypot. Relatively straightforward. Pretty straightforward. So you get 40% of the people who register will turn up. The others won't. We've got a separate system for them with a follow-up system. And yeah, of, of, of the 40%, I mean, I, we'd probably end up with 40 consults out of that. Um, around 25, 30 will become clients. Uh, this is outside of COVID-19. What happens tomorrow? I actually have no idea because I haven't been through a COVID-19 webinar before. <laughs> but the point <laughs> is this, that I'm not emailing all those people and saying, do you want lead generation today? We're just putting the honeypot out. It's the first date, right? Sorry of mixing my metaphors, but give people some content that they, that is an immersive experience your book is great, by the way, that download you have on your website. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Free book from adam.com, by the way. It's yeah. uh, super so, easy to so, read. So that's got, yeah, it's an easy read. But there's so many things in there that we as business owners forget, like pricing and like uh, the, the gaps through which prospects are falling and, and so many quick wins there. Anywho, so we've got to give people an immersive experience like your book, like my book, like the webinar. And when people take us up on that immersive experience, not only do they put their hand up and say, I'm one of the hungry, the three hungry bears, but it gives us an opportunity to educate them about how we work with our clients, to motivate them about our services, to establish trust and credibility and rapport and respect and reciprocity. That's why I use webinars. And when, when those people come from webinars, right there, that's what we were talking about earlier, right? That's where marketing sort of is sales because that webinar is, if they sign up for the webinar, that's them saying yes. If they attend the webinar, that's them saying yes. If they finish the webinar, that's them saying yes. If they book a time with you, that's them saying yes. 
those are all sort of sales along the way. By the time they get on the phone, they've already said yes to you multiple times. That's correct. So it's really easy to say yes. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of people just, uh, you know, yeah. take a hammer and whack someone over the head and, and drag them home and hope that they have a credit card <laughs> in their wallet. Uh, I'm not sure I buy into that old theory that if you get people saying a little less, as they'll suddenly say a big yes at the end. But, but, but you're well, right. Yeah, exactly. I, I call them filters. <laughs> you know, if you want, okay, if you've got a lot of storm water and you want to drink it because you're thirsty, you need two things. You need a series of filters through which to pass the water to remove the impurities. And you need volume of water because if you have the filters without the volume, you don't, you don't even get drips out the bottom. And if you have the storm water without the filters, you get impure water, which is, which is a metaphor for impure consults, people that can't afford to work with you, the timing's not right, et cetera. So all the filters you mentioned, for example, the attendees tomorrow will have all come from someone else's, someone else's email list. And they subscribe to this list because they're interested in sales and marketing. Yep. They'll have registered for my webinar, they'll have attended the webinar, they'll have booked a consult, they'll have turned up the consult, we'll have discussed their lead generation needs. So we're talking highly quality, there's a lot of filters. Every single thing you just mentioned is a filter. Every single filter, impurities are pulled out. So by the time they get to the consult, I'm talking to people who want to work with me. They know my pricing. They've checked a box to confirm they can afford to work with me. They've checked a box to confirm the timing is good for them to start if we agree it's a good idea. This is not gonna be a meeting where I have to convince people. This is a meeting where people want me to confirm that it's the right thing to do. So that's a quality lead because we've got the filters in place and we had the volume. And that's what I teach my clients how to do. How do you get the volume? How do you get the filters? So that when you book, people book a consult with you, you know, the thing I said where selling is what you have to do when your marketing sucks. I don't mean that 100%, but I mean it like 80% because you still <laughs> need to have an offer on that call that gives people a good reason to move ahead now if they feel comfortable with that. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it, and, and all of these things take take time. They take knowledge. They take expertise, like Tom has, in order to uh, to go through it. But it's again, you've built a system that you've proven over and over and over again that works. And so, definitely um, learn more. Um, if you know you, you don't want to hire a lot of free stuff website, lots that you can get educated on from uh, website. And, and as we wrap, just one final question, and that's, yes, people should talk to you more, or they should talk to me more if they want to grow. But for people, what's the first thing, if they're a little bit stuck, especially in this environment, they're stuck and they're like, I don't know where my clients are going to come from mm. because it's a whole new world. You know, what do they do first? Is it mindset? Is it um, cleaning up their stuff? Because a lot of people well, are pushing papers around their desk and calling it work right now. So how do we yeah. get them out of that? What do they do first? The, the number one enabler is, is definitely attitude. And it's the attitude that I am going to do better during COVID-19 climate than I did before. Because you, you can hunker down. You can practice commercial anorexia, which is where you just cut all your costs. And, and you should cut unnecessary costs. But, but it's, it's the mindset. You know, am I going to survive this or am I going to thrive during this? Every single adversity can be turned into an opportunity. I, 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 look, I've been, you know, 63 years old. Um, 
you know, you, you don't get to that age uh, and lose all your hair without being through some adversity. Every single adversity, is an, there is an opportunity. I know it sounds awfully cliched. I know it's like, you know, all the personal dollar and gurus tell us, but it's freaking true, but it's only true if you change your mind. So my, my attitude is all guns blazing. You know, I, I want to I get through COVID-19 doing better than I did before COVID-19. That, that's the number one enabler is that attitude. So put on some pump music, get yourself psyched, use visualizations, use affirmations. As I said, use music, you know, search for the hero. That used to be my, in the times of greatest tribulation, I used to pump that song and search for the hero by M people inside of you. And um, get yourself psyched and decide, choose, determine that you will do better during COVID-19 than you ever did before. Because that, that, will be, that will be the phoenix, you know, that'll, that'll be. So once you've done that, then get your freaking marketing sorted out. Go buy Inbound Marketing Book. It's called Inbound Marketing Book. It's a book called Inbound Marketing Book. Um, <laughs> my five-hour challenge. Download Adam's book. Swarm all over this. Um, yeah, that's, that, that'll be my number one. My number one, the number one enabler is the decision to do better during COVID-19 than you ever did before. I love it. And I appreciate your time. Thanks for the, just the knowledge. Thanks for giving away so much stuff on your website to people just to do better, whether than they're, they're your clients or not. You're awesome. I appreciate it. Okay. Can I just throw in a URL if people want to have a conversation? I need, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I, I need inbound.com. They can go there, find a half hour time. We'll have a conversation. Just make sure you, you know, read the page properly. I need inbound.com. Perfect. I'll put it in the, in the show notes as well. And I'll, I'll put it in there when I, when I throw it out there on LinkedIn and all social media. Uh, but good. definitely check it out. Half hour. The guy knows what he's talking about. And this isn't a sales pitch for him. This is a sales pitch for you. Do better for yourselves and make COVID-19 for business that you've ever had. Everyone uh, for listening. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.